episode 244, Trade That Prospect. Tonight, we will give you the breakdown on one-time coveted players that haven't become MLB regulars and why you should loosen your grip on prospect. So, it's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Christian Encarnacion Strand that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight-up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined, as always, by Robbie Baseball from The Murder Room. What's happened, Robbie? Uh, lots of baseball stuff, and hopefully I don't sound echoey, but let me know. I can reset the reset again and reset. No, we're good. We are we're ready, and we got a hot mic. We're okay. good to go. So this, this week we're going to be talking prospects and mastering their timelines and all that fun stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we talk about it a lot on the podcast about how to value these guys, when to trade them, when to when to get off the ship before it goes down. Um, we're going to get into it here in a little bit. I'm psyched because my guy has been sitting in the minors for way too long, uh, and he finally got called up, and then he gets rained out. Not great, but um, – we're, we're here. So um, I'm going to get to it. Robbie, how you been? What, what's happening in the, the world, Robbie? You know, I'm good. Uh, patiently waiting on that transmission to uh, be rebuilt, fixed, and the transfer case to be rebuilt or just fixed. And then I will have a long weekend of, um, you know, playing sports with my son, who got his first basket tie in an official 10-foot high net. Um, I told him it's okay to do the granny throw. Like you can go between the legs and get it up here. (laughs) Kid just turned seven, you know, a couple months back. Um, And he got his first basket. We went to the local high school and his eyes lit up and he like, didn't know what to do. You know, he was just (laughs) so pumped that he got one in. And then we went over to his school, which is just next door and spent a lot of time. And he just tried to recreate it over and over. But his version of playing one-on-one with him, he won't even do half court. He's got to do full court with me, which is just you know, I am not in that kind of physical condition to, to <laughs> play full court, even with a seven-year-old, or maybe it's especially. Yeah. So if he just shoots, then then it's a basket. And all he has to do in order to shoot is he just says shoot, and then he gets to walk up and try to shoot. Because, you know, I want him to enjoy the sport. Um, and then I actually have to get a three-pointer for it to count. So he did win the first game. Um, but credit to me, I got six. I got six three-pointers <laughs> in a game one-on-one. So I was pretty happy with myself. I did play basketball five years in high school. So, um, thank you. Offsa baby 99 <laughs> just to age myself. <laughs> a te- wow. Okay. Wait, you had enough guys in Northern Ontario to put together a full team. Yeah. Not only enough to put it, we won all of Northwestern Ontario. And then we got to go down to Offsa, which was like Lake lakeside was where they hosted. I actually still have the t-shirt. I'm waiting until Ray gets big enough to give it to him. And the same year we went for soccer um, and it was like all the AAA schools. So we got to go down to the AA for OFSA. And it was by default because out of Thunder Bay, Ontario, 
Um, they had won the year before, which meant two schools got to go from the Northwestern region the next year. And in their school board, um, only the team that won offs was going to get to go because the school board wasn't going to pay to have uh, a team that didn't win go. So we were kind of walking in knowing we didn't need to win. And then we did not win, but we still got to go to Offsa. Uh, <laughs> and then we got smoked because we didn't really know how to play soccer. We, we played soccer like kids play, you know, hockey and they just chase the ball. That's basically what we used to do until we went to Offsa and played against like good players who yeah. understood the game. And then we got a lot better from getting our butts kicked for three or four and, games. But And for those American listeners, that's a state championship just as a as – Yes, a, sorry. So. Yeah, that's the equivalent of your state championship. So we came in fourth in basketball when I was there, um, and then we uh, were participants in soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't have a high school baseball team, which sucked. So we had to – I had to yeah. just wait and play like the travel ball, like, you know, the others. But anyway. It does happen. Yep. Yeah. What, what's new oh. with you, Ty? That's my well, sports I just, outlook. I, I had some work travel – um, I was to Memphis and then into Toronto for the Jays game on Friday night with some people from the great state of Florida, uh, who we will have on the podcast in future, uh, works for, for some cool things in the city of Miami and has some cool Marlin stories that he'll share with us, uh, in a future podcast. Oh, but, nice. Is this, uh, is this the, the dude who joined up in, uh, the dynasty league that drafts all of your guys, which makes yeah, me so happy. Pissed me um, off to no end. And we even made a so trade. Good. I traded him uh, Lars Nupar and I think something else, some other prospect, like possibly worthy of note, in exchange for for 2023 breakout outfielder Bubba Thompson. And let me tell you how well that <laughs> has worked out for me. Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, that brings please. us to the topic for tonight. I mean, we got to drink first, but then it brings us to the topic. Agreed. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Mm. Mm. Mediocre. You know, you know what I was thinking about during the song? I was like, you know what? what who's really lazy? Number one super fan, Ronnie, has made zero efforts to comment on any show recently. Um, so, Interesting. You know, very much open to accepting of new number one super fan. If there's any takers out there, uh, <laughs> let us know. Um, uh, yeah, you can hit us up at Dinger's Pod on Twitter um, or find Ty at Turney Boss or myself at Robbie Baseball One. Um, and that's the spot where you can just say, I would like to put my hat in. And then you have to tell us what kind of hat. No, no, We're no. We're both wearing no. KC hats No, no, no. no. Tell us why you're better than Roto Ronnie. That's it. Oh, okay. That's, all, that's what we obviously need. Perfect. Yeah, do that. That's That sounds good to me. Um, so, Ty, we'll, we'll fl- fire right into hot news, and then we'll hit the main topic tonight because you've already let off because um, you're so darn excited to talk about uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand uh, promoted. So, do you have any updates? First off, from this day forward, he's going to be E Strand. That I'm just making that happen because, like, trying to say you're his getting name rid of the cool. whole first name. You don't want to go with the CES like everybody else. CES is okay, but E Strand's way better and it's unique, uh, and I like it. So I'm going to yeah, say that's that true. I heard at the All Star break, um, Felix Batista, somebody, some reporter asked, like, 
hey, people are calling you King Felix. And then he's like, no, don't call me. Don't call me King Felix. That's that's not me. And I'm like, good. And then this the like Twitter thread below was, of course, like full of stupid comments about like, why would some Baltimore reporter say that? Da, da, da. Like, well, he said it because obviously fans were saying it at the game. They were trying to anoint him the new King Felix, um, which thankfully he didn't want to take that crown. So, yeah. um, but nicknames are good for everybody. They're still going to do that weekend, right? The nickname weekend in baseball? They didn't I hope that. so. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. I think it's funny. They just a little chance for the guys to have fun before, you know, the traditional really have at them. Yeah. Well, no, you know, you don't want to get the pitchforks out. But anyway, CS, if you have been listening for the last several weeks, then, you know, shame on you. But, you know, you missed your window. Values through the roof. You know what I do find funny, Robbie? We did talk about this a little bit. Is that he was on no one's list anywhere in the top 100. Very unrelevant on most people's lists. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, you can't forget to pick this guy up. Must go get him. Like, top page of, like, all the news sites. Like, must (laughs) have him on your fantasy team. I'm like... Well, he was a mid-season, like a, well, like we talked about on the previous pod, I think that a lot of mid-season adjustment type lists. Um, and one of the things that we know, former um, number one fan, Rotorani, used to just hit, make his, his blood boil when he would see dynasty rankers who fluctuated their rankings so much multiple times in one year, like in season, they would see several updates where, you know, players are moving like stocks. And then you get that excuse like, oh, it's like a stock, the value goes up and down. Yeah, of course the value goes up and down if all you do is look at the current stat line. But if you look at like player skills and ability and where they are within their organizational depth chart, blah, 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 there is more minutia behind, you know, being a little more conservative with your moves or you go up or down simply because something has happened within the organization that's really shaken it up. Um, you know, and anyway, for him specifically, Rotorani, he he was losing it. And when I started to look at some of the lists like two weeks ago or so, as they started to pop up from others, I was like, yep, I'm starting to see, you know, your Ty's boy strand here is popping up like at the last bit of the top 100. Um, and I think you had mentioned before that he was ranked on some list of like 11th for the Reds prospects. Yeah. Um, you'd mentioned a guy or two that were ahead of him, but that every, you know, depending on who makes the list, we always appreciate the guys who create content like ourselves. Um, we, I had a website for a few years. I just didn't feel like paying hundreds of dollars for it again this year, because once you own and, and kind of establish your site, the price goes up. <laughs> to keep your name and when that they told me how much it was going to cost i'm like i am not making any money on this that's too expensive of a hobby so um the writing has taken a step back and here we are podcasting <laughs> speaking of fun exciting things and money uh, a whole bunch of first round picks are now millionaires congratulations uh from the the lat last week's mlb draft also known as the rule four draft um paul skeen signed my favorite first round pick so far noland i can't even say his last name right Shunil, I think that's right, um, who signed with the Angels, uh, as well as I think six Braves to date have signed. We're, we can't wait until the deadline's passed and we can actually like have a look at who has and has not signed and really break these things down, including some immediate targets for anyone who has upcoming drafts like we will next month, Ty. Um, but it's good to see players signing. We always hate when we hear about the holdouts or the you know medical issues, and hopefully we can avoid all that crap this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, Wade Miley to the I.L., um, the, the suck it Wade Miley suck it <laughs> yeah Hauser Ray to, to Aaron are all safe for now like I mean yeah I don't know what this Milwaukee team's gonna do they got all this depth they need another starter if they're gonna make a run because their offense just isn't good enough for them to make it by with with what they got obviously we're gonna see Woodruff here at some point 
assuming the wheels don't come yeah. off again. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting rotation. Miley was doing an admirable job, but he was never anything more than a, a placeholder. So, you know, you, you've got options to fill in some depth there. We might see like an Ethan Small or, or somebody like that make a reappearance in the rotation here. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I made a comment before we jumped on, Robbie. Uh, Travis Darnot uh, is a brave till the end of 24. They extended him uh, with an $8 million deal there. Good for him. Uh, Odour got DFA'd before heading to Toronto, which is like Christmas for Toronto fans. Uh, no one likes Rugnet Odour in Toronto. Uh, the better part would have been if he was in the stadium and then they found out and then he had to walk, like say walk like between the dugout and go to the bullpen to get out or something. And then everyone could have just given him like the walk of shame because he is absolutely hated in Toronto, well, like from what I, I was I'll say this though like good on the Padres for knowing this scenario and not making him go through a, a weekend in Toronto and then saying oh by the way you're not on the team anymore right like this I think is the they're trying to baseball. save money time they didn't want to uh, pay for the ticket <laughs> maybe maybe but but here's where you're wrong there is they had to fly other people from other parts of the country to fill in the spots so that makes uh, that yeah, doesn't that, that doesn't check out but I think the reality is this is where the human side of baseball actually might have played a part in the timing here. Um, Nola not being able to hit the ball also played uh, a portion in that. And while he was sent to AAA, Luis Capisano was activated in return there. Sanchez did start, naturally went, has no hits. So um, that's pretty standard for him. Uh, he's yep. hit like 160 since he's been a Padre. So, you know, I, I think no. Austin Nola is, yeah, I think that's why Austin Nola went. Cause like you send him down, be like, okay, just try to not be crappy and we'll bring you right back. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, they're they're trying like what has what is it that's gone on with you that you have completely lost your ability to hit because you you had it as a you know as a pro, but but you know you had that great year with Seattle where we acquired you twenty twenty, and since then we've been waiting. Like he got hurt and then it hasn't come back. Anyway, um, somebody who hasn't got hurt and, well, and is just oh, before yeah. you move off on that one really quick, I just want to throw like an, a a guy to watch, uh, in that organization at the catcher position. That's not on anyone's radar yet is um, Oswaldo Linares. So he'll be moving up the board for a lot of people. He's at uh, A ball this year. Uh, he, oh, no. He's only been up for a couple weeks, but, you know, he's he's got uh, a couple home runs and, you know, a reasonable OPS. He, he did have a really good stretch at rookie ball before they bumped him. He's hitting 325 OPS of 1157. So he's still got to go a ways here, but that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. I'm I'm very sad to hear you say that. Uh, oh, sorry. What did you say the catcher's name was? Oswaldo Linares. Oswaldo. Okay, he's not on my. Sorry, I've got a secret list of players that are rostered in in ten um, percent or less of Fantrax leagues that I'm using and I'm scouting. I scouted them in June. I checked in and and um, updated in July. And then before our you know true test league draft, I'm checking in one more time in August. Uh, he's not the catcher that I had on my list that I think is a as a steal of a guy. It's a different guy, different organization. I can't. I've, I've said too much. Um, starting pitcher and AAA All Star Casey Lawrence of Buffalo Bison slash Toronto has opted out of that contract. Obviously, he is hoping to get an MLB MLB deal somewhere, and I don't know what'll happen if he doesn't. If he just comes back, but you know that's a thing they can do. It's one of those things you talked about the good stories in baseball, right? The, the Blue Jays let him go, see if he can find something out there because they want good things for him, knowing that he'll come back if he doesn't. Um, 
bad news for Chris Flexen. It looks like he's going to be a Rocky now. So he went from being a Mariner, possible SP6 with them, as we've talked about starting the year. Now it looks like he might be a Rocky, and there he'd be like SP2. The only problem is that um, you have to be a Rocky pitcher. So yeah. we'll we'll see what comes of that for him. Uh, a couple call-ups in Oakland that are fun and exciting. Tommy Soderstrom, who we mentioned on the last podcast. Also, Zach. Oh, I mean the pronunciation. It's Geloff? Geloff? Geloff. I need to phonetic. I need to phonetically say it, Geloff, and then somebody can correct it later. But he's up now. We'll see what happens. We're going to give those guys some at-bats before we um, really weigh in on them here. Uh, But Ty, one of your former favorite guys, Jonathan Shoop, has been shooped out of town in Detroit. Well, he's scope, but he has been... But Shoop, um, baby. It's better when it's Shoop. Those were the fantasy Uh, names. Yeah, definitely. He's got him. This makes sense. I mean, Detroit's turning the page here. Right, Scope did an admirable job as a plug, and then he became unplugged, and see you later. So um, that's just what Detroit's doing on a rotate here. I, I like what Detroit's future looks like. They had a couple great guys filling that roster out, a couple guys that came out of nowhere. And, like, listen, like, do you want to at least see what you have in Maton? Do you want to at least give him a chance to figure it out, or do you want to run Scope out there and take up at bats? Like, for me, it's got to be Maton because they need to make that decision, like, is this guy going to be around or do we need to find a replacement in the offseason? So I think they know the answer to that one, but uh, definitely an issue here. I'll toss it to you here on the uh, the Philly side uh, because sure. this is more your world. Well, this is just someone who last year during the fall league started to get some hype. Uh, outfield, stolen base, magnet, prospect, Johan Rojas with Philly is now up. We've seen this last year. Nick Maton was one of those guys that came up with the Phillies. Um, Guthrie was one of the others who's now out in Atlanta. Uh, They came up, they got some time, and they did okay. We're going to see what Rojas can do uh, with his time here in Philly. So far, he, outside of being a good defensive um, outfielder, which we already knew, he has stolen one bag in his 11 at-bats. There we go. Like I said, it's early with some of these guys. It's hard to say that. But um, anyway, he's kind of a fun one. Somebody who you don't like and somebody who I don't have anywhere because you like him so much. Uh, have both started rehab assignments with uh, the Astros. That's Jose Urquidy and outfielder Alvarez. Um, I don't know what the timeline is going to be for Alvarez. I feel like Urquidy is probably going to get three um, outs, or sorry, three starts, which means we could see, we could see him right before the trade deadline. Um, otherwise, I'm not too sure. And then with Alvarez, Alvarez traditionally you know, doesn't take very long. Like as a guy that bounces off the IL every now life. and then. Yeah, he, he he doesn't spend a lot of time on there, and he usually doesn't even go on a rehab. So uh, I don't suspect he'll be on there very long. So anyone that owns him, you're in luck. Uh, we're going to see Altuve not long after that as well in Houston, so that's another one that's not on yeah, there like yet. But he... Jordan, sorry, Ty, was supposed to start a rehab assignment and then was sick, so it was delayed a couple days, but now he's, he's out there. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'll be – I think he'll be Friday. Like, I think realistically you'll see him either – Weekend series? Okay. Yeah, they're, they got Colorado right now, so I don't think they're going to rush him back to face Colorado, but I think you'll see him Friday. Yeah, wouldn't be too uh, bad to go up against that AAA rotation that the Rockies <laughs> yeah. are throwing out there. Yeah, uh, Ryan Tapera signed in St. Louis. For me, this is a this is a big flag for those of you that own pieces of the back end of the St. Louis bullpen. Like This is a suggestion that they are going to try to unload some of those arms. You don't get rid of Cabrera, bring in Tapera, if you're not trying to just shake everything up, like I'm, I'm actually surprised that they um, DFA'd 
Cabrera, um, but I think they might actually just believe they can make a trade with him on that one. Um, oh, so I think yeah. that's it. Like, I think they just put him on there to give him 10 days in a roster spot, right? So I think that's kind of their play. But I, I fully expect Cabrera to be traded, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least one other arm in that bullpen go. Uh, Yanni Chirinos is, is DFA'd in uh, Tampa, which is really – interesting one like he obviously faced some injuries but there was a time where he was real good right like just yeah. about as steady as an sp4 as you could find um and and unfortunately those injuries disrupted that so it's just hard to believe tampa's willing to let go of potential starters right now like that just seems wild to me so well i was just gonna say off. do you remember jeffrey springs tie yeah like, don't even it bring has it up. been a long it's it's been a long season in tampa bay drew rasmussen tie Another one of you. Why boys. are you doing this to me? I own it's all just, of these guys. This is just, I'm, like you're just, I'm just crushing. It's me been right a long now. year, and then you see Ronnie Torino. So I'm like, whoa, blast from the past, right? He was last decades, you know, yeah. out of nowhere type, possibly useful dude. Uh, uh, yeah, but Tampa Bay is still rocking and rolling. Well, uh, much- and and it, I think Luis Patino is a name we're going to have to watch out for, like as a guy the that Thundering might be, Oak. You think? Yeah, the th- we might see him. Um, and then. I just think it's a weird move, like with their depth right now, for Trinos to be DFA'd, or they believe they can squeeze them through. Like that's the other thing that mm-hmm. could be completely plausible is they just think no one's going to grab them right now. Let's go get them healed up and bring them back up. So that could be that the would, other option. That'd be interesting. Now, my boy Shane Bieber on the IL. Um, for a lot of people, this just kind of like was okay because you're like, all right, cool. Cody Allen's back, so that's all right because you just kept your rotation of Williams, Allen. Um, Bybee, which I've got to get his pronunciation right now that I've rostered Bibby. him in, in. No, it's Bybee. It's B I B E E. I heard I heard it on the broadcast. Bybee. It's always going to be Bibby because Bybee well, is stu- stupid. It's it's also by Eber on the IL, which <laughs> got Allen there. But uh, anyway, we'll have to see what's up with, with Bieber and if this is a big thing. Obviously, we've got we're two weeks outside the MLB trade deadline. Cleveland's number one target is like, sorry, trade target would, would be to unload um, Bieber. So if he's on the IL and you're just trying to like, make sure it's okay, that's one thing. But again, you're a competitive team. You're every start matters. So it would be interesting if that was their little bit of gamesmanship within this. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do or what they're even targeting. Right. I mean, that's the other thing too. Like what is, right. What is Cleveland do they really want a first for? baseman? Right. Do they want to, well, cause Josh Bell's one and done this year. He had a dinger tonight, but I mean, it has not been a good year for him so far. You know what they're probably thinking in that front office? We really need a below average outfielder. Let's go find one. Uh, Let's get three. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's bring get them three. all in here. Uh, so speaking of below average outfields, Pittsburgh um, has brought in, <laughs> Uh, some of the youth movement here. Quinn Priester started last night. You know, he got through five and two-thirds, I believe, seven hits, two walks. That's not awful, right? A lot of people today were like, oh, he was bad. Like, no, five and two-thirds, seven hits, two walks for, for a kid. Not the yeah, worst. first start, start. come on. Yeah. I mean, there's better starts out there, but that's certainly not one that you're like, oh, this guy's the worst. Uh, he came with Andy Rodriguez, who we've been excited about, Robbie. Uh, this is one for me. I'm he got post hyped already, right? He went up the hype train, he's back down the hype train. I'm gonna try to go get him in the offseason, Robbie, because I think he's gonna struggle here the rest of the way. So I'm excited okay. about that because I think there's still a very, very good ball player here, and I'm gonna wait for him to fall down the mountain and pick him back up. So the last guy that came up here, um Leover Per Pagera, um, an interesting prospect. 
I think they might have moved him a little too quickly, Robbie. Uh, that's my opinion. I, I think he could have done with a little more seasoning. Uh, 22-year-old, he's, you know, his his AAA numbers this year uh, are okay. 259, two home runs in, in just 30, uh, 27 uh, at-bats, but 11 home runs, 260, and a 786 OPS at AA before that. So just I, I don't think this is enough to rush him. I know Hayes is hurt. Uh, I mean, you're losing some at-bats in that lineup. He does play short and second, so it does let them move some things around. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just don't feel this is necessarily the guy you should have rushed. Well, he got up last year, but it was for one game, which was really yeah. odd. Um, and then they've had well, other guys. Was it a taxi three, squad game, or do you, was it a straight? I, I don't recall. I only know that he had come up, and then I, I just very quickly looked and said he was like one game is all the stat line said. So yeah. I don't recall the circumstances. Um, but then they also had like, I think it's Triolo, something like that. Another guy that had come up and he, I don't know if he stayed up or if he went back down within these moves. Cause they've had, I mean, four of their best prospects come up in the last you know, what, two weeks. So it, whatever, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, like we we're all excited to see Cincinnati do it. So for yep. Pittsburgh doing it, we've got a, you know, same division. We've got to support that. We know it's not going to work out for everybody. We did see it take five years for Mitch Keller to finally settle in. Um, hopefully Quinn Priester doesn't have that rocky of a road, but good to see that he didn't get blown up. I know, like you said, the reports weren't glowing, but I prefer just getting outs than I do dominating a lineup and then getting blown up in the fifth when they've seen you twice and all of a sudden they've solved you. So I'm going to give some credit to him for that. And uh, we already know that it didn't go well for Rosny Contreras. The track record for Pittsburgh developing starting pitchers, not named Cole has been very bad the last decade and change. So let's just try to stay positive with that. And maybe the addition of the two catchers that they just brought up will help that along. Um, I know the traditional thing is you get the Wiley veteran catcher to catch your young rookie. Maybe that's, you know, been put aside because Rodriguez has been catching Priester for a couple of years. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing there. Um, something that no one's going to care about, but I just kind of find funny is that uh, JP Higgins is back with the Cubs. He, I think was DFA and then the Diamondbacks picked him up and he was just depth with them. Well, he's back. Uh, last year, he came up and was doing some good things uh, in August into September when the Cubs were kind of washed, which, again, I mean, maybe we're going to get there with the Cubs if they decide to fire off a few of their boys. But remember former top quote, air quotes prospect for that whole offseason last year, Matt Mervis? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that if like I'm not saying he's done. Not, not at all. But, like, talk about flash in the pan for fantasy content creators out there. Like everyone was talking about him as if he was going to be Pete Alonso, 40 bombs in the bank, like all these things starting at starting first baseman for opening day, like all the way through. And I was throwing caution flags on it. I'm not saying JP Higgins is blocking Matt Mervis. I'm simply making a comment that it's interesting that the Cubs want Higgins back, who I think is like 30 and Matt Mervis isn't just like an automatic, like you can come up and suck with us versus bringing in more organizational depth, which just, you know, I think it tells me something. I don't know what you guys think out there. Um, again, you can always hit us up at Dinger's Pod and well, say we're, we're crazy. But. I think Higgins is also a catcher too, right? So I think the other part, of, like he's yes, he can catcher catch. first base DH is what he did last yeah, year. Yeah, so I think this has probably a higher likelihood of somebody adding Jan Gomes um, in a trade and they're prepping the roster a little bit for that um, because Gomes is a decent defensive catcher. He's played in a lot of playoff games, so I think he's a guy that could be on the move as a depth move. Uh, so that 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 I think might be part of this underneath. But the other part of it too is Mervis is you know like you said he might not be completely out of the scene yet, 
so why why rush that guy back if if you're working on stuff right and i think that's probably the case here because his numbers at AAA aren't bad i was looking at it today okay he's he's, he's doing okay so yeah, i think they're probably just airing on caution not wanting to rush him but i, I think we'll see mervis this year but it'll be post deadline probably. So I'm trying to um, see. I know in his 90 at bats he only had three dingers, and that's supposed to be the calling card at AAA though. Ty, he's only got nine, um, 150 at bats, mind you. So I guess there's an injury. It's the batting average. Last year he had a, a 309 batting average. This year it's 295. That's not a dip, by the way. Like his OBP's correct. gotten better. It's one of those like he came up and all of a sudden it's like holy crap, these guys throw better. And we've yep. seen that with a bunch of guys. We're going to talk about a bunch of them shortly. But anyway, well, I'm not saying it could be just Marcus approach. Yeah, it could just be approach change too, which means less power, right? Like they could say, listen, we don't want you to hit 40 home runs. We want you to hit 25 and hit 305, right? Like that legitimately yeah. could be what they're asking of him. But um, moving on, in, in another stellar Colorado Rockies front office move, they signed Antonio Senzantella a couple of years ago doing a pretty reasonable extension for his track record. And he's yeah. played exactly like four games since. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just Colorado doing their thing. And, you know, he's headed for Tommy John. That's great. Add him to my list in TDL, Robbie, of just the four oh, pitchers that I have. Well, oh. I've got him. I've got Springs. I've got Rasmussen. You know, just <laughs> my my. Well, I should have looked at your roster and then just started rhyming them off and waited till oh. I see a, a tear come down below your, sun, your sunglasses there. It's been painful. Uh, so Sensatello 2025 is our best case scenario for him. But the fact that he was only, like, kind of possibly useful some of the time – that is totally out the window now. We don't know who, who he's going to come back as. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, somebody I mean, that I like, you maybe. loved, you you loved this guy and then dialed it back a bit. And I think I've I've fallen and never let go of Kyle Freeland. Um, he buggered up his non-throwing shoulder and is now on the IL. I don't know what that means in terms of rehab time, um, but Colorado, if anything, I feel like they're going to get him back in as soon as they can simply because they don't have other arms that they're willing to burn. Like everyone they've tried to burn, Noah Davis amongst them, who was like possibly somebody you might want to pick up in your dynasty leagues, they've all gotten hurt. And the ones who haven't that were still bad, like Kaufman, who came up just like throwing an 11 ERA out there, uh, it's bad. So if Kyle Freeland can throw with his left hand, which he which he does as a professional, I don't see why they wouldn't just try to Jim Abbott him and get him to just use the left to also field. So we'll see what I they do there. I just think it's incredible that this team's not picked first overall at least once recently. <laughs> <laughs> With the move, yeah, they're they're well, the Reds were it really, supposed it really to speaks last to year, the execution right? on the Pirates front office. Like, I mean, <laughs> it really does. Or sorry, I said the Reds were supposed to have picked. They weren't supposed to have picked first last year, but the Reds have. Uh, they were supposed to pick fourth, and I think they got pushed back to seven. That's what it was. That they were the ones who from the lotto got uh, got hit the worst, but. The, the last bit of news ties is the most exciting. I mean, I talked about him last year on the podcast. He was on all of my draft target lists, but didn't make it onto any of my dynasty rosters until uh, this season when he returned from injury and continued to stroke it like he had last year. But instead of stroking it at double A, he was stroking it at triple A. Trey Cabbage, everybody, is up with the Angels. I thought he was a, um, a long shot third base type. Rendon blocking them thing. Well, you know what? Jared Walsh has sucked so bad that he's now the first baseman with the Angels. I think he's going to get a long look. Nine at-bats so far. Um, he's hitting 444 with an 11-11 OPS tie. This is a future Hall of Famer. We can trade Otani. We have hired some cabbage. Um, they're going to cure it. It's going to be sauerkraut. Yeah. 
It's double hard. I like it. There's a there's a really stupid loop feature that comes on by default. Oh, if you don't automatically, well, since you took away my ability you, to do it. But why I, would you I default? Why would you default loop? I don't even understand it. Anyway, let's oh. get into the meat and potatoes here since we're talking food. Um, and we're going to talk prospects. Move on from cabbage and get the meat and potatoes. Yes. <laughs> That's a top shelf uh, segue for those of you yes. that have been listening. Um, so we're going to go through prospects and talk best, better rest of the season, uh, what years to come, and some financial flexibility for those of you in contract leagues. So we're going to talk about some guys, some decisions that you can make now, in the future, down the road. And these are things we see all the time that people make terrible decisions on. And, you know, Robbie, I, I watch it all the time, and I'm, I'm I desperately want to know how these conversations go because I want to steal these players from people um, and and give some of these guys to other people. So we're going to talk about it. Um, and you you have kind of here in the notes, uh, Travis Swaggerty was DFA'd this week by Pittsburgh, former first round pick in 2018. This was a weird one when they picked him for me, Robbie. I think this was an underslot kind of move, and it just never ever really worked out for them. Uh, but you know, this is a guy that had all kinds of injuries. And and I know you you've spent a little more time working on him than I have. I've never touched the Swaggerty, um, yeah. but I really wish he would have panned out because he would have been uh, absolutely great for this. this Swagger. 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 We just yeah, never he, saw it. He would have been ideal for the the Swagger part. Uh, Swaggerty was tenth overall high school. No, sorry, not a high school drafted guy. I don't think was he. No. Because he's 24 now, I believe. No, I think he uh, was out of the SEC somewhere. Like, I want to say he was like Mississippi State or something. I'll look okay. it up while you're talking. Sure, yeah. He he uh, didn't have, like, hurt by 2020 not having a season. And then really early into 2021, dislocated his shoulder, missed all that year. I mean, 12 games, but whatever. Um, since then, he, he had a, a solid AAA season last year. Um, been absolutely horrible this year. Also got called up. Got a little bit of time. Fell flat on his face. And Pittsburgh emerging just had to make a move. They needed him off the 40-man, and he's out. So that kind of gave me the impetus for tonight's topic, which is, you know, trade your prospects. Like, yeah. if if you the – plain, the plain fact here is don't look at your prospect like the next superstar because the odds are so far from high that they are. Um, if you can make a trade that's going to make you better rest of this year on your MLB roster – if it gives you better um, lineups into the future, and if it can give you, or if it can give you financial flexibility after you've made that deal, do it. There are lots really? of leagues out there, Ty. We're in we're in a one aggressive one where people are posting players that have $10, $12 salaries, um, looking to unload them. They're going to also give you a prospect to take on that money. This is the deal for you. You know, if you've got that guy who, who the stat line, I mean, I've got my guy, I've got my Pittsburgh pirate um, who I'm not giving up on, who I think if I get fair value, I probably, or I shouldn't even say fair value, like something decent. I should probably give up on him. Mason Martin got him in several leagues. I've been waiting a long time, but I don't know that he's going to make it. He's a power bat, you know, not even a three true outcome. He's a two true outcome. He strikes out or he hits a home run. <laughs> he's not slapping singles and things. Um, He's one of those guys that that could be on this. But, you know, there are former prospects um, that we're going to list that have likely peaked in their value, definitely in the prospect value, because these guys are not prospects anymore, for the most part. I think there's maybe two on this list. Um, the only thing, we want- before we j- jump off Swaggerty, though, yeah. it, like, I just want to flag this, because it's interesting to me. Like, and, and he fits the cat, like, the potential for a post-hype guy for me, Robbie. 
Triple um, A numbers, like basically in a full season, 578 plate appearances. Um, OPS was 737, right? So like that's not Above terrible. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's enough to say like, listen, if you're just wanna try to add a depth piece, and if you're in a deep league, like this is a flyer worth taking, right? You're gonna send a nobody for this guy right now, and it could pan out. Like in a different organization, they could unlock it. Uh, because his college his college numbers were good, 963 OPS, 319 batting average, right? Uh, so definitely worth a look um, in some formats. It just depends on your league, like how much roster space you have. But I, w- I wouldn't shy away from a really deep flyer here. Okay. All right. So I'm, I wrote this down. I want to say it so everybody knows. Former prospects we've, uh, we're about to list have likely passed the the peak value and we hope you the listener don't make the same mistake others have by holding on to your guys instead of trading them for mlb assets so this is not trade your prospect for another person's prospect you're not getting any further with that what we're saying is if someone's knocking here are a bunch of dudes that we're about to rhyme off that have peaked as prospects have gone up have done various things since that peak and we're just going to let you know kind of where they're sitting today so that you don't make the same mistake with your prospect. And then we've got a list of guys down below that we think might be those prospects who you might be better to unload today than to keep for tomorrow. Um, Ty, would you like me to start off? Because this was somebody that I've rostered in several leagues, and I don't know if you have stronger feelings, I think, about the next one. Yeah. Does that sound You're good? good. Okay, so fourth round pick in 2016, but cusp top 100 guy um 2017 18 first baseman third baseman boston's bobby dahlback his mlb stat line in 826 career at bats 45 dingers a 231 average and a 298 obp nothing to write home about never been great on runs and rbis um in triple a this year 22 dingers 57 runs 50 rbis a 306 average and a 419 obp bobby dahlback is a very good triple a player and I don't think Boston has a place for him in the future. It's Tristan Cases at first base, we're assuming. Um, obviously, it's Devers at third. You don't have anywhere for Dahlback to go. We don't know what's going to happen with him. But once upon a time, Bobby Dahlback was in a trade from my very good championship run team where I traded Bobby Dahlback away. I received back David Price, who I think two weeks later – got hurt and then didn't pitch again for me, but he was a trade piece. I made the deal and traded Bobby Dahlback. And when he came up, he had a really brief cup of coffee where he was excellent and everybody swooned over Bobby Dahlback. And that was the peak of Bobby Dahlback. Um, he, he right now, like, like I just said, that, that triple a line looks great. He could not convert and do that at the MLB level with any lineup right now. Um, just, you know, he was a one. He was the one guy on this list, Ty, that I actually traded away that I rostered somewhere, and got a return. But the return fell flat on his face, and I think it was like Boston's David Price, like before the Dodger thing. Like this was a while ago. So anyway, Bobby Dahlback, he's an example of a guy you might want to, you know, you may have wish you have done something differently with. Yeah, and I mean, the the next guy here is, uh, you know, Esteban Florial, who has had such a weird one. It's such a good case study for prospects because. This was the Jason Dominguez before Jason Dominguez, right? Like this guy was a can't miss superstar just waiting to happen. Best prospect in baseball. He's so good. And and this is the Yankee hype train. We see it all the time. We've talked about it for years. Like look at Anthony Volpe. Look how good that guy was supposed to be. Right. And Oswald Peraza. Yep. 
um, you know, you name it. Like Yankees, you know, have not done a great job of actually getting those guys ready for the pros. It's it's been a really long time since we've seen a core come up through the system. Um, that core was really good the last time, however. Uh, so asterisks <laughs> on that comment. But well, it was also um, twenty five years ago or more, almost thirty well, years ago. And and Florio's a really interesting one because he passed through waivers earlier this year, which I couldn't believe at the yeah. time. And I made that comment to you, like. I couldn't believe that he slipped through waivers going back into the minors. That you can't tell me there's a team in baseball that doesn't need that guy. Um, somehow they let the Yankees hold on to him, and he has been really good this year. He's got 21 home runs, uh, 58 runs, 53 RBIs, 291 batting average, um, and the OBP's up from what his his career minor league numbers are with 288 or 388. Sorry. So for me, Robbie, like we're seeing the best of Estevan Florial right now. So. It's it's a buyer beware scenario here because we've seen the promotion already one time, but we've not seen this balanced production before from Florio. We just haven't. We've seen you know that athlete like a, a toned down version of Ellie Dela Cruz in terms of ability, but like the same kind of profile. Like a couple games where he rips it, runs all over the place, does cool things, and then he disappears for a couple games. Right. So you know that's what we've seen from him, but this balance is is a little bit different. So. This is the one guy on our list, Robbie, that I'm not is ready to close a door on. Okay. Um, yep. it, so, like, but it, it there's still a big asterisk on, like, listen, he went to the pros and did nothing already once. So yeah, three you know, three different call-ups, Ty. He's 54 career at-bats, his sub-200 average. But, again, 54 career at-bats over three seasons. And then two of those three years at AAA, an elite player. Yeah. Like, because like he's he's hitting all categories. I think he had 39 stolen bases last year. But for some reason, like we now can say safely, his peak as a prospect has passed. Obviously, as a prospect has passed. I know it's still 54 bats of career, but um, this is someone who everyone's moved moving on from. Although he's only 20, um, 25 years old, a former Rule Five first overall pick, Victor Reyes, formerly of Detroit, now with the White Sox, uh, he did get at least 1,214 at bats. Uh, but only 16 home runs, 33 stolen bases. The average, shockingly high for somebody who's on this list, 264. But the OBP is probably a good indication of why, 294 OBP. Um, but this year at AAA tie, he's just been great. 16 home runs, 52 runs, 64 RBIs, 301 average, and a 357 OBP. Problem is, I think Reyes is 28. I believe that's the mm -hmm. correct number for him. Um, he, he might be... 27 but anyway um the other issue is he's just not doing it at the mlb level he would be your prototypical role player moving forward not that reyes was a top 100 guy but he had that off-season buzz the year he was picked because he was row five drafts in december so they had everybody had the whole off-season be like oh victor reyes he's gonna play we've seen it with the kill Badu, but i didn't want to like hammer us over the head but do still like in the detroit lineup although it's been rough um same with Lou and Diaz. Didn't want to put him on the list. It's been rough. I thought we'd go with some different dudes here, but they all kind of fall under that Victor Reyes cloud of you wanted more. You held on waiting for more as the production dipped. You lost any potential value you could have got back for the guy, and you're either stuck with him or you cut him or you don't. You let the contract expire. He would have been a, a prime guy to move when you know the iron was hot. Yep. Yeah, I, I completely agree on that one. Next on the list is a catcher. Uh, buyer beware on catchers. We've talked about this for years. Uh, Zach Collins was a 10th overall pick by the White Sox. And he's 28 now. And don't get me wrong, Zach Collins is not the worst 
baseball player on this list. Uh, but, you know, definitely not a fantasy stud, right? The AAA numbers are reasonable, 14 home runs, 54 runs, 65 RBIs, 275 average, and 380 OBP. Like, those are good numbers, right? Especially for a catcher, uh, lefty bat, but the pro number is just not as good. He catches a good defensive game. He's a, he's probably like a great backup in most scenarios, but he's also just a guy that no one's going to jump out at on waivers. So he's he's getting he, all of his options have been used. He's being DFA'd yeah. and no one's grabbing him. Like so, he's just past that prime. There's there's better upside guys uh, that are out there, and that's that's Collins' problem. Um, and he definitely cannot hit lefties. So that's the other part for him. So, you know, that makes it hard to roster him in a lot of scenarios. And I I know for sure Zach Collins in Fantasy Leagues was a coveted player because he was a catcher that was bat first. Like that was the initial book on him. Zach Collins will be a catcher, you know, won't move off the position, won't be a first baseman. This guy can catch and he can hit. So people were like, I love him. I want him. You know, Reese McGuire was another example of a guy who was a top 100 list guy who just never panned out in the sense of like the high offense. However, he has had blips. Zach Collins, um, not so much. Uh, but well, this one, Ty. Just, just fun, fun stat really quick, Robbie. Mm-hmm. His career versus lefty batting average, 161. His career batting average versus righties as a lefty, 192. That's just Yikes. not going to cut it. Yeah, not going to cut it for a bat first guy. Yeah, definitely not. And then, like I said, the the AAA line for some of these guys, you're wondering why they haven't gotten another shot. Well, you know, like to your point, what are they going to do? Bat them against lefty? Oh, no, they can't bat them against just righty? Oh, no, they, there's no track yeah. record when you get to the best pitchers in the world. Uh, but, Ty, in order for me to say the next guy, i got to have another because this one's going to hurt here. <laughs> this is 2017 first-round pick, 17th overall, Keston Hira with Milwaukee. He's now 26. He's an, a, quote, infielder. Um, the MLB stat line, I can't get into it, all right? Because he had a successful, short, but a, a successful run, his rookie campaign, uh, and then the wheels began to fall off. Yeah, I get it, Ty. You didn't like him from the start. I don't care, okay? This is someone that I died with. In the ride-or-die scenario, mm-hmm. I died with Hessen Kira. Even reacquiring him in one Dynasty League twice, Traded him away three times. Did you ever see the movie with Will Smith, uh, Eva Mendez, Kevin James? It's like a dating movie or something. Yeah, that's Hira's problem. What is is the problem? The hitch hitch in in his swing. It's hideous. Okay. Well, there is a player on the other end of this that's got uh, a very pronounced leg kick we'll talk about. But anyway, Hira is the prime example to me of the great offers were coming. And I should have realized that he was a second baseman. And at the time, I should have moved off and gotten value elsewhere, you know, done the two-for-one kind of thing. Um, But I was stubborn, especially when the struggle started, even into this year, when some people made offers to me because they were like, he, you know, we broke it down in the offseason. There was a path. Like, I squinted. I did the right amount of squinting to make a career for Keston Hira, but it it was not to be. And um, now I, I cut him in the last league that I had him in to create roster space for whoever, like a non-remarkable player, but it's really unfortunate what's going on. Even though at AAA, you know, we're seeing a 311 average, almost a 400 OBP, uh, 14 dingers. It doesn't matter because when he comes up, he is overmatched. And like that's dynasty value lost and forgotten. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, a guy that definitely had some people excited for a while, Scott Kingery in Philly, is just gone. He's just gone. Um, he's a broken man. He's a future major league manager of the year. Uh, but he, his, <laughs> his, his, his pro playing career is definitely over. Um, you know, he's, his, uh, was built up. He signed this contract. Good for him. Like good him and his agent absolutely cashed in at the right time. So kudos to them. Either that, or this guy just, you know, bought a house with a pool and just chills out all day. And, you know, was like, listen, I'm good here. Um, either way, he, he probably is, is okay on this. But the AAA numbers are are barely good enough at this point. 271, 340 OBP, 11 home runs, 18 stolen bases. I mean, I guess there's some profiles to that. But um, we know the hit tool doesn't play at the pro level. And, you know, this was a second-round pick in 2015 um, and had the the extension before he ever played an MLB game. Now, he looked like he was going to be a star. Like, he really did. There was a lot of track record. He he was crushing it. Uh, People were excited about bringing him up. And then he had a good, you know, rookie season for the most part. And then it just went off the rails after that. So um, definitely a disappointing scenario there with him. Um, and very similar scenario with Jeter Downs in Boston, who who was a shortstop prospect, came over from uh, the Dodgers in the David Price trade. Um, it was definitely just a dump from the Dodgers and and I got to imagine Boston's looking back on wolf I really wish they would have sent downs to LA instead um <laughs> because well but even like if you look and you're like well who who could they have had in that system it would have been like a Gavin Lux would have been another guy in Bush. and around well and I don't know if they had is. Bush at that time but definitely definitely Lux I think would have been kicking around cuz those guys were both like the cuspy one top 100 kind of prospects and downs was the guy because he was the he was the contact speed guy um and oh man like it it just became obvious the pa- it's he chose power over contact and wiped well, out like you supposed- talked about it last year when they brought him up ty that it was like this might be the you know be serious you know get your get your shit together this is well, the, the time crazy, for you the crazy part is they were supposed to get gratter all in that trade and that's then- right Somehow that no, fell wasn't apart. That no, Gratterall was supposed to go to them, but because of something going to LA, I forget what was going to LA. Yeah, that uh, one didn't go, and then it was Gratterall to the Twins. No, I forget it. No, no Gratterall came where? from the Twins, right? Yeah, you talk about the next guy here. I'm going to look up this trade. Okay, sure, because that's interesting. Well, the, the, this is the final guy of the like, you know. Don't hold on to your guys too long. This is a, a great example. Again, very much like Scott Kingery got the MLB extension before he played an MLB game. Evan White, former first round pick of the Seattle Mariners. DePoto very rarely makes an error, but this is one. He was in the 2017 draft. Um, where was he overall in the draft? 17th overall. And uh, he's been a horrible MLBer and hurt, you know, like devastating injury this year. Triple A, he's only played in two games, and I don't know if that was earlier in the year or or this week that he came back because I don't watch anymore um, on the Evan White train. Because even last year when he came back, two hundred four average, three hundred eight OBP, which doesn't sound terrible, but this was in hundred and seven plate appearances um, in twenty twenty one with the big league club coming back. 
He had 104 uh, at-bats, 144 average. I don't know what the deal is. He's amazing defensively or was pre-injury, but no, you know, no. This is like the classic guy who can go to the KBO and try to come back if he can learn to hit. Like this is, you know, maybe not an Eric Thames situation where he's going to all of a sudden be, you know, Godzilla, but um, this is a situation where he's not in anyone's view as a future MLBer even though I forgot to just check to see if he was 26. Well, is that right? 27. He's definitely now. not going to the KPO until that contract's over. That's no, sure. no, no, certainly not until the contract's <laughs> over. But if everybody passes on him and Seattle lets him walk, he can go um, yeah. just to get some, you know, maybe he's a Mexican league. I don't know. I'm just saying he needs to, you know, rediscover it. And as dynasty owners, he's a great example uh, of somebody who you, you knew he came up and you're like, oh, he's really good defensively. He's the type of guy like a CJ Abrams where you're like, I'm going to wait it out and he's going to develop. The difference is that Abrams has like little pops here and there where, where you're like, I get it, I get it. But then you see with Washington, they're like, oh, he's our leadoff guy. Like we we truly believe in C.J. Abrams. And it makes sense to hold on to Abrams and not get rid of him, even though the stat line doesn't look great. You're going to believe in that, you know, possible 700 plate appearances. Whereas with Evan White, it's, it's like, I mean, a year ago, it was clear Ty France had taken over on the depth chart permanently. And Evan White was an afterthought, and um, it just became more clear every day since then. And you've got no value. You can't include him in a trade whatsoever for value. Like, that ship has long sailed. So um, there's some of these cusp guys that we're going to talk about right now, and then we're going to dip into more prospects with a few guys who have been up and down this year. Um, But, Ty, you want to lead it off here with your uh, Tampa Bay Ray? Well, I'm going to go back to the trade. Sure. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Recap so it, it was the... it was Miana was supposed to go to the Twins, Gratterall and Verdugo were going to the Red Sox, and Betts and um, Price were going to the Dodgers. So Gratterall, they were worried about the health, so it ended up being Maeda went to Minnesota with Yara Camargo and Cash for Gratterall, Luke Rayleigh, and the sixty seventh pick, which became Clayton Bieber, uh, or Beater, sorry, uh, Bieber. Okay. Um, and then the, the trade was eventually completed with for bets and price and got Verdugo Downs and Connor Wong, your boy. So hey, yeah. that worked out great for Boston because well, Betts hasn't done anything. So, oh, never mind. The interesting <laughs> thing for me though is like if 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 I was in Boston's shoes and I saw Andy Pages going to LA because that was the other thing that was for Hunter to happen, <laughs> uh, No, I forget what it was. I forget who they were sending. They were sending Rangifo. Uh, the Angels sent Rangifo and somebody else, and I forget who it was, but Andy Pages was going back there. And it's like, if I'm Boston, I don't know how you take Wong and Downs without navigating what Pages in a trade looks like. So that was a huge, huge whiff on their part. Because, um, I mean, if they would have Verdugos and Pages coming here, like that, that franchise is in a different spot um, about the next couple of years here. So very interesting. Um, but yeah, let's get into. The rest of the list here, we've got uh, Vidal Bruyans, an interesting one for me as a guy that has came up, had the speed profile. Like, it's a really interesting one to to consider when you look at the success of like Asturi Ruiz, right? Right. If you look at that career arc, like where Vidal Bruyans is a very similar type of player, so it could be one where we see a two seventy average in thirty to forty stolen bases here. But we're so like, Ty, in- sorry, are you saying that you're you're not sure on Bruyans, or are you saying like? If someone's offering you, now's the time to make it, regardless of what he could do. Because no, Ruiz no matter, never did it at the MLB level. 
Breon's been up and down a few times now. Yeah, no matter what happens uh, at all, um, you're you're definitely trading Breon for any reasonable offer. Like okay, no matter what, I got you. Like that's okay. a non-starter. Like you do not ignore trade offers for him at all. Um, that said, if you got to hold on to him, there's still a chance he could come around with a little bit of speed here. Uh, you know, on the back half here. So like I'm not I'm not ready to shut him down. I'm just not there yet. Um, because I think if there's a franchise that can figure it out, I, I like Tampa to be able to to, to give him that run. Um, the next guy here in Atlanta uh, is a guy I'll let you go with because you, you know, have the book on him. So I'll hand that over. Yeah, I mean, we did go into it really early this season with Vaughn Grissom, um, but I mean, it's clear Atlanta is not interested in a bat first second baseman slash I don't know where they can play him. So they, not officially but unofficially, have moved on. Orlando Arcia's getting the pop over him. Um, so outside of a trade, which I still think just gives you a second baseman with a pretty good hit tool, the ability to get you, you know, your base five categories, I don't know that you want anything to do with Von Grissom. Like after this year, if Atlanta leaves him down, if they don't find a trade part, if they're looking, I'm assuming they'd be looking, they don't find a trade partner for him to get them some type of return. Von Grissom might just be like in fantasy purgatory. He's not helping your dynasty team whatsoever. Even when, when he does come up and or get moved, there's no assumption that he's all of a sudden going to become like a 70 run 80 RBI type guy. Um, he's not a heavy bat. You know, he's not looking to, lead a lineup. I don't know what the best case scenario for Von Grissom now. A year ago, it was really exciting. Two years ago, he was a super prospect. Now, you wouldn't have made the trade two years ago. Last year, you would have been foolish to make it. But now you're, I mean, like, shows you how quickly the fortunes can change. Now we've seen what Atlanta's actually thinking from the baseball standpoint, not from the offensive standpoint. And they don't like it. They don't know that he can play second base. Um, So I don't know what in the heck you want to do. But Certainly, if somebody's out there trying to nip away, thinking they'll take a shot on him, you've got to look and see what you can get back. That's going like I would absolutely take a legitimate, you know, middle infielder player who's up with a big club right now and might be capped at 15 home runs, you know, 50 to 60 RBIs, 50 to 60 runs, but a 250 plus average over the shot at Von Grissom recapturing what he did last year. I don't know that that's going to happen again. I certainly want him to be good. Like, of course we all do, right? We don't want anyone to fail when we're looking at fantasy stats, but the hard truth of it might be that he's not good enough to play second base in MLB. If Atlanta was willing, was no longer willing to punt the position. So I could see he's a sad case. I'm going to throw a hypothetical trade out here. Uh, Vaughn Grissom to St. Louis for Paul DeYoung. And maybe a reliever. Interesting. I just think that could be an interesting, just an exchange, a change of scenery. Um, Paul DeYoung would be a good depth veteran uh, for them. Uh, be an interesting move. Uh, middle stick on the middle infielders. Michael Bush is a guy on this list that really hasn't post or passed the peak yet. We don't know what the peak is. We thought he'd be up by now. We're we're waiting for him to take that jump. Maybe that peak just continues to get too far away, and he never ever realizes it. Um, but he's produced continuously in the minors. He's had a real small cup of coffee. Uh, we should see him in the, in the list we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but we, but the question I'm asking here, Robbie, is like, 
why isn't he at the peak as a prospect? Why hasn't he got there? What's wrong with him? Why don't it's not a lack of opportunity in, in the Dodgers lineup. Like for heavens, they've been running Jason Hayward out there. So, yeah. you know, like, you know what I mean? And like that's really not... confusing. <laughs> like yeah. uh, Bush is a, an infielder, but like everybody else, you can move him to left field, right? You yeah. can move everybody to left field. If you don't have it, I guess, except Von Grissom, um, you can move everybody, but Von Grissom to left field. And I mean, the AAA numbers for Bush last year had everybody excited. The average was the only thing you'd have a small complaint with. But when the OPS was 881 between AA and AAA, the 274 batting average, you're like, that's okay. Well, he's 301 this year at AAA, but he had 32 home runs last year. It's down a bit to this point this year. He's only had 12. However, he has spent time with the big league club. He's got 332 at bats as I'm looking at this tonight. 12 dingers on the year, all at AAA. The um, MLB debut, not what you want. You know, James Altman came up last year, had a real brief uh, tea sandwich, and then got sent back down. Um, he was great in that, though. And that was like a, an extra promising thing was he came up, like I think over a weekend series, got six or seven at bats, something like that, went back down. Um, Bush got a look, you know, a legitimate look. And then they were like, you know what, Mookie? You can play second base and shortstop and center field. We're just going to move you around. Um, and so, that's that's kind of what's happened, right? Like Mookie Betts has been moving around because of Michael Bush hasn't taken off yet. But have yeah. the Dodgers moved on? I mean, maybe. I would well, certainly be listening to a trade knowing Gavin Lux is back next year. And we're going to see Miguel Vargas again at some point. Uh, he's another guy that fits this kind of category as well. Is like a why, why haven't they let him? He had that weird injury in spring. They didn't let him hit and all that fun stuff. Uh, he, he, yesterday, I looked up their stats from Sunday just as a, like heading into this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but he went one for one with Miguel Vargas did with four walks. Attaboy. So, so yeah. So they're going back to spring training instead of what I thought pretty was. Pretty much. Let him have a, a 220 average, but let him go and hit 10 dingers and be like, yeah. look, you've got the power. Believe in yourself. Now come back up and, you know, hit the fastballs. Exactly. And before we move on to the next one, I just want to make a quick mm-hmm. note because you said tea sandwich. So I'm going to go here. Uh, Mickey Moniak, <laughs> another home run, 11 home runs. And his OPS is about to surpass that of Shohei Otani. Um, oh, just wow. as a heads up. Just okay. as a heads up. Yeah. Just wanted to make that clear. That- another reason <laughs> the Angels should trade Otani. Ty, this is off topic, but I think our next episode is probably going to be, you know, MLB as well as fantasy trade related. Um, a rumor that I recently heard float out, and this is just like people talking out their butts, is can you think of a team that has more to offer the Angels than Baltimore and Prospect Capital? And I got to say, I, I couldn't. I can There's think no of teams that have two guys. It. Well, I, yeah, I can, I can think of teams that have two guys that would like, you know, make it make sense to some degree if you're, you know, you're going to lose Otani this year and not make the playoffs, or you can try to reset. I feel like the potential for a Baltimore angels trade would be amazing. Baltimore is not good enough at this point. Grayson Rodriguez is now back up. Thank goodness. He's no longer going to be prospect um, list eligible, but I got to say it was, it was disappointing to see in a lot of the lists. He had already been removed because they used the BS thing that no fantasy website uses, which is 45 days on the MLB roster. Fantasy sites don't use that. Like, you know, fan tracks will give a guy who's been up all year and sits on the bench. Like what was it? Gore. Um, Yeah. The stolen base guy with Casey uh, Gore, I think, is still MLB rookie eligible, according to fantasy <laughs> breakdown. Right? He doesn't have the at bats. He's a pinch runner. But anyway, you get you get my point. I think Baltimore could put together 
an amazing package of mostly about to become failed prospects in addition to some guys that could actually turn out to be really good if they were to make that kind of trade i can't imagine la would do that um but if you LA, were to think, I think like would i don't think baltimore would well if you, if you were to think if you're you're baltimore and you're like do we want to make the playoffs and not only that do we want to sell a billion jerseys right now rest yeah. of season it would be very much like when Toronto traded for David Price and made the playoffs and, you know, Price was the ace down the stretch. Uh, you trade for Otani, you sell the jerseys, you get the hype, everybody's excited, you know, and then he leaves and he goes in division if he ends up with the Yankees next year, which again, like, let's not go down that road tonight. But yeah. I just thought that was interesting when I read it. Cause I'm like, yeah, there's like every position you can imagine or not imagine every position in baseball, Baltimore's got at least two prospects outside of pitchers that you would be interested in. Cause you're not trading Grayson Rodriguez. You're not, I, I think you'd probably end up trading DL hall to the angels in that deal plus, but it's like, is it, is it Mayo? Is it Connor Norby? Is it Westberg? Like you could name legitimate yeah. players that can go back that would justify it. But to your point, Ty, does Baltimore want to take all of that hard work they've been doing collecting those guys and do they want to give it up for the opportunity to play four postseason games? You don't do it unless you're confident that you're going to have the money to make a run at them. Which I just, I mean, they have they have room to do it. They could have a I minimum just, league, a minimum salary roster next year of like under twenty five million dollars, and then have yeah seventy five million for Otani. <laughs> they, they have room to do it, but I just don't know that they will. Like it, it's right. it's an interesting. Like I agree, it's it's one of the teams. If I was mm-hmm. to say like there's a dark horse in that trade, like best fit for, teams, right? As far as the prospect return for LA, not yeah. the team making the trade. Agreed. Right? Baltimore doesn't want to sell the farm for the potential, you know, to have him for some big games, exciting games in September, but then lose him, especially if it's very much like the David Price scenario where he just goes in division and then yeah. beats you up. If he's already going to beat you up next year. Do you want to have him on your side for a bit? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, sorry, off topic. Uh, last guy that you've got for um, not no longer a prospect. Uh, the ship has sailed, maybe? I don't know. No, not yet. No, Luis Capisano, the, the ship hasn't sailed yet, but definitely a guy that fits the the this group that we've been talking about here. Like That peak still keeps moving away. Like We've never seen the peak of Capisano. We've seen the upside. We've seen the AAA numbers consistently. Right, but we've never seen it translate into the pros. But I, I don't believe, you know, this one. And, and I'm going to put him and Michael Bush in the same kind of category. I don't believe it's from a lack of ability. It's either an approach thing or mental focus or opportunity not really there. Like, I, I for me, like I go and play men's league and I watch some of the guys I play with and they step off the bench. They haven't played baseball in three weeks and they're just like, oh, I'm going to hit baseballs. I'm not that guy. I need, I need it. I need BP. I need to get in there and see reps. And in this one thing, we talked about Floreal earlier, like even all those 54 at-bats or whatever he, you said he had, 54 games, none of them were consistently in a row, right? right? These things matter to certain players, and these are the things that most people don't look at when we're having these conversations about prospects. What is their opportunity? Did they get a consistent run? And and you're going to see different patterns when you think like that. And so Capisano fits that for me because at the pro level, he he's, has not had that, like, listen, you're the guy. Go out there and do it, right? And Moniak would fit that category. We just talked about him, like as a guy that had a couple of sprinkles with Philly, and they're like, ah, he's not quite figuring out. And then listen, all of a sudden they gave him a chance, started doing some things, and now look at him—he's he's a ball player, right? So these are the things you got to watch for in these post hypes. 
And I, I think Capisano could be that guy because the power's there. He's a good enough catcher to play. He's better than all the other catchers that they have that are MLB ready. So I, I like him to be a shocker down the stretch here. Just throw in a couple good weeks here or there. Um, and, and I do like him heading into next season as long as he gets the run of at-bats rest of the season. Okay, so that was an ad for Luis Camposano um, rosterers out there. Hold your boy. I mean, this is the be careful episode, but Ty's yep. got a guy that he wants you to not move, and that's fair. Or maybe this is the only buy target that we're going to talk about tonight because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rest very, of them are absolutely – yeah, the rest of them are absolutely be careful. So um, first up on the who do we think aligns with the players we just talked about as far as the – uh, trajectory being right now prospect peak, like who are guys you should seriously consider trading? I'm going to lead us off tie with one that's uh, less controversial this year, but I mean, three years ago when he was a 20 year old, this was this was going to be the future of pitching, and that's Kumar Rocker with Texas. He's 23 years old. He's at high A. He's right around the average age for high A. It's only six starts, uh, good stat line, and if it wasn't for the fall league last year. Kumar Rocker would be already fantasy, you know, fodder. No one would care. Um, but I fear he's going to end up in that RP closer type. Um, and after hearing, you know, about Garrett Crochet not not going to be a starter, there's going to be issues. And and I just kind of like, you know, said, you guys are all wrong. Ty, can it? I don't want to hear it. <laughs> this guy's legit. And I have since lived that Garrett Crochet roller coaster lifestyle. I'm living it right now on, on this final IL rehab stint before he, he emerges as the next ace of the White Sox. <laughs> uh, I am joking, everyone. Um, I'm very concerned with my Garrett Crochet shares. I, I shed one early this season. But because of that, I have learned I am smarter now. Kumar Rocker, I, I think you got to listen to reasonable offers on him, especially if it involves, like we said off the top, an MLB pitcher, an MLB position player that's going to help you now, if he's going to help you the rest of this year, if he's going to help you next year, if he's going to save you some money by making this deal, uh, you include Rocker with some, you know, like if you've got Syndergaard, I've got him in a league at a high salary. If I had Rocker and Syndergaard, I would happily make that trade in order to shed the Syndergaard salary and look for anything back that could be like a throwaway to kind of J2 guy that might have a hit tool that the person trading away doesn't overly believe in. Um, very very heavy caution on holding Kumar Rocker right now. I think if you're a couple years away, like if you're in a rebuild, I think you hold Kumar. That's my only thoughts. Like I, I don't see him as an RP closer type. Um, you know, as long as Tommy John is successful, I think there's a major league pitcher here. Uh, the off speed stuff's just too good. The fastball is too good. Um, I don't see him as a similar pitcher to Garrett Crochet. Like I understand the worries. Um, the injury risk is definitely real. Like you're not, I'm not saying it's not, completely plausible what you're suggesting Robbie mm -hmm. but I think this there's major league stuff here um and Texas believes it and I believe it and that's why I have him in several leagues um but you know I think this is a guy you definitely need to be proceed with caution and you need to watch those early starts after Tommy John and you need to try to sell him if those starts aren't there but I don't see why you would trade him right now Robbie I just don't think the value is going to be there um, I think there'll be more value once he starts climbing up the lower minors again, because he's going to start in a ball probably when he comes back, if not rookie. Uh, so I just think we're going to have some time to sell him later. I just don't think you get enough. If, if you get way more than you should, then yeah, you, you probably take the trade. Yeah. I just think that this is a, a scenario where you're going to end up with like a 25, 26 year old guy who's, you know, hitting double A or not hitting, but whatever pitching double A 
um, into AAA for a season. He's going to get rocked around. I think he's just heavy caution. Next guy up here, Ty, um, outside of the mustache, He's just not a fit for me. Uh, hell of a mustache. We know he looked great on draft night. We talked about it a couple years ago. Austin Wells, catcher with the Yankees, uh, promoted this year to double A. And where has he been at double A? Most of the year has been at double A. And he's been okay. Serviceable, 247 average, 335 OBP. Again, we expect these things out of catchers. Um, two to one strikeout to walk ratio. The, the power's Good, not great. Last year he had 20 dingers. Uh, I don't know if that included the fall league or not, but doesn't matter. Uh, 12 so far this year. I think as we're going to see him go up in competition, we're going to just watch that classic catcher thing where the stats, the production all goes down. I think he's also stolen base guy. Let me just very quickly look here. Stolen bases for Austin Wells. Yeah, he had 16 last year. Another little nugget that you like, but I don't see the Yankees letting their future starting catcher run around the bases. Um, he's six foot two twenty. You're not you're not letting that go charging around the bases, uh, no matter how big MLB makes them. I'm throwing a huge caution here on on Austin Wells. I would make a deal to get him off your roster now. Uh, this is this is my warning to you, the listener. Ty, are you with so, me on this, or am I sailing my own boat here? I'm on the opposite side of this. This is my favorite type of prospect to acquire. A guy that had uh, a low end hit tool that's progressing. Um, obviously coming out of college, everyone's like, Oh, he hit 300. Like, cool. Every major league prospect hit 300 in, in college ball. Um, so they're like, Oh, now he's hitting 200. Now he's hitting 260. But like the things that I like to see here, Robbie at, at high, a, there was a 323 blip, um, a thousand OPS. But what I really like, you know, if you look across it, 819 OPS is his low point, uh, at double a. So what I like here, Robbie, is this is really where you, you move as a catcher, from I'm just playing ball to I'm a serious catcher and I need to play defense first, right? So for the numbers to stay where they are and be catching some of the elite pitchers in the organization, that suggests to me that he can do both. So like, I like this, I would expect to see a, a strong finish for this season. And if he doesn't go to AAA before the end of the year, I think you'll see a strong AAA start next year. And there's no one stopping him from playing in New York. I think we'll see him in New York middle of next season. Okay. I'm on the complete opposite thing on that with Wells. Um, Taj Bradley's the next guy up 22 year old pitcher with the Rays. What are your Taj Bradley impressions before I dump all over him? <laughs> I, I've recently traded him um, rest okay. of season, rest of season. I don't like him. Uh, I like him rest of career though. I think he's a must-own in all scenarios. I do not like him rest of season, though. I think he's just been rushed, but the stuff plays. Uh, it's just a matter of location and finesse and just a little bit of – very similar to what Manoa's dealing with, right? Like just a little bit of tightening up the polish and mechanics. And, and Tampa knew it, right? The only reason he's in the pros right now is because of all the injuries they had, right? So that's – I think if you're taking an objective view here on Taj Bradley, mm -hmm. like – and, and you've watched him pitch and you see this stuff. The stuff plays. He's 22. He's going to be fine. Um, but not this season. Like, if you if you need to make a playoff run and you're counting on him, it's not going to work. So you need to consider your alternatives if that's what you got. Yeah, like a 543 ERA is not helping in your basic 5x5. Five five. 80 Ks and 61 and a third is. But a 1.38 whip, again, not helping you. So some of your base categories – 
he's very confusing. I don't see, I don't have quality starts here. Um, maybe I can find it. Does he have, does he have a decent number of quality starts? I don't have any. Anyway, he's, he's been good as a minor league. Sorry. I, should, I guess he's been elite as a minor leaguer. Um, but the inning counts are the other issue here. We're, we're going to see at most, like what did he pitch so far this year? 79 innings, his career high is 133. That was last year. So we're going to have roughly at most the same this year, not likely, which means next year he's going to run into that same type of cap situation. Again, it's a 23-year-old, which means he's not going to get his um, official pitch, the most innings you can possibly pitch until 2024. Um, and at that point, a bunch of these Tampa Bay guys could come back. Uh, I just don't know that it's worth it to take a shot at Taz Bradley, really honing it in in a very tough division when the return for veterans is going to be greater who are already at the same level, right? This isn't somebody who's at a ball that we're saying sale. This is an MLB -er, but these are the type of guys who, when they struggle or when they're not hitting the categories that you need for your league, right? Guys got five wins this year, five losses. If he's not getting it done for you, he's on your bench. And then next year he's taking up a bench spot or you're streaming him. And oh. maybe you could just have an everyday starter in place. Who's seven no, years not older. Not to throw a stick in the spokes, but he did pitch tonight oh. for, for five innings, struck out nine, five hits, two earned against a very good Texas team. So um, he did take the loss, but certainly well, not necessarily his fault. He's up against a Volde who threw six innings, hell two hit ball and no runs earned, right? So, uh, yeah. but nine strikeouts though, right? This is this is why you should believe in Bradley long haul. But like I said, like I this is going to be a spotty, like one – good start three bad starts one good start two bad starts like that's what you're gonna see rest of the year but you know i i i cannot like say he's gonna be bad for the foreseeable future because it's it's not gonna be true he's he's very good well the concern is for fantasy stats and that's where i'm sticking it here like as, as far as a pitcher developing whatever as a 22 year old 6'2, 190 he's got the right build blah 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 fantasy stats if he's not getting it done, he's already not doing If you're in your basic five-by-five, five, there are no save holds, which I get it. He's a starter. That category's out, which makes it even more important that he doesn't suck in your other four. So if you've got if you've got your wins, you've got your quality starts, you've got strikeouts, and you've got ERA, um, he's, he's really only helping you in one right now, and that's your strikeouts. So you need him to settle in. You need the lower ERA. Like Ty mentioned tonight was a good start. That's great. However, I'm just saying right now I would, I would risk the Taj Bradley loss over the next five years and gain myself a, you know, whatever upper twenties age, legit MLB starter and or whatever your position of need on your team. And, and I would move Taj Bradley just because I feel like there's some, there could certainly be some issues. There's Brady Singer tie who every so often just throws out a really good start and makes you rethink everything. Well, at least makes me rethink everything He's, I thought before. I don't I'm not saying Taj Bradley is the same. I'm saying no. that there are there are pitchers who do this to you. Taj Bradley's not someone I'm willing to put into that pool for myself. I don't want him to be streaming when I could be selling him right now for a really good player. Uh next guy up here, we've got two Arizona Diamondbacks. The the reasons I'm gonna give for Brandon Poff sell are going to mimic Ray Nelson, but I'm just going to very quickly go off on Poff. He's 24. Um, he's he's down right now in at AAA. He's really fooling us into thinking he's getting it right. But even when he does come back up, the AL West and the three strong teams that are in there, um, plus the fact he's going to have to go to Coors a time or two every year, 
Um, it's going to be tough for him to get wins. Again, we're, I'm harping on the categories because this is fantasy relevant. Quality starts is going to be another thing. Veteran laden lines up lineups. You know, San Francisco, even if they're not getting 110 wins, um, they've got good hitters. You know, they got those Lamont Way juniors who can get on base. Um, you've got the Dodgers you've got to deal with. You've got San Diego you've got to deal with. And again, like I said, you've got to go to Coors. It's just going to be hard to get a really solid stat line from them. But right now, I think you could probably get a pretty solid return for MLB players and Ray Nelson. Same same thing with the age, the difference here, Ty. He doesn't have the K per, per nine. He's got issues with walks, excuse me, and his whip over 1.4. I'm I'm passing on that. As I've said before, 1.25 is kind of where I draw the line on whip. It's been a hard line for me. Um, if you're going to be over that, you've got to make up for it somewhere else, depending on your categories, especially points leagues. You can't have guys who um, – can't get themselves out of innings, can't get themselves out of jams. So if they're going to have a higher whip, they got to have a really good K to nine. They've got to be able to save you somewhere. I don't see either of these diamondback pitchers being useful long-term fantasy options versus a trade right now that gives you a potential long-term fantasy um, player, pitcher, you know, suit your team, make your team better with an MLB or versus holding on to one of these types of guys. Yeah, like I'm trading both of these guys if I can. Like I'm with you on that one. Like, oh my god, we can. agreed. Oh my yeah. god, we agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joey Ortiz fits the same category. I mean, there, there, there's a spot in the major leagues for Joey Ortiz. It's not in Baltimore, right? There's just way too much good talent there. He's not that um, defense first really here. Like a little bit of hit tool, but mostly defense first here. Um, so I mean, he's going to end up somewhere else. Like I mean, Washington. Hello, how are you? Um, is is a an interesting spot for him, but I, I mean, if anyone is giving you anything of of at least substance for Joey Ortiz, I'm moving it in a heartbeat. Yeah, he was uh, he was a year ago. He was only coming onto the radar as look at the first half this guy's had. I mean, I'm sure we mentioned him, but it was one of those look at the first half this guy's had. Right, as a 24 year old in Double A, he was the I think he was the Baltimore um, Orioles minor league player of the year which was almost like a tip of the cap because of all these prospects they've got. It was like, look at this guy, right? And any one of you could be him next year, but then he's come up this year. And and like we said, there is no spot there. You know, when they, when they set up that, uh, that depth chart Ortiz's name is to the side, right? He's yeah. filling in where needed, but I can't imagine he's been, he's really had a spot carved out for him very much like the next guy who I'm sure Ty, you're going to disagree with me on Addison Barger with Toronto triple a uh, right now. He's 23 years old. He a year ago as well started to, come up those lists and people were like, you got to look at this guy. But actually I just encourage you all watch how he swings at a baseball. And if you want to talk about an easy way to throw somebody off, you have a quick pitch. Uh, he's not going to be able to hit it. You've got Joe, the Joe Kelly's Marcus Stroman's of the world. Um, they're going to be able to get Addison Barger out. And then the book's going to be out on him. He's got a, he's got a leg kick that needs some serious coaching. And Ty, you've mentioned on a previous podcast, the Jays need to fire their hitting coach. This is not a good scenario at the moment. Um, also, where is he going to play? Like second base yeah. is is the obvious spot you'd think of. But if they're going to put Witt there, um, I don't know. Who have they been playing at second base lately? I don't watch the Blue Jays. I'm a Mariners fan. Uh, Witt's been second base for a good yeah. chunk okay. of it. And then they've squeezed Bijo and Espinal. The odd time. Right? Yeah. yeah. So Barger's yeah, going mean, to have to carve out that role if, if uh, Merrifield hangs around. I think we'll see Barger next year. I really do. Like you're going to belt off the lineup probably next year. He'll probably find a three year deal somewhere. So I think, you know, I think you'll see him go somewhere else. Um, I think Barger's going to be on the roster because of the left-handed bat. 
Uh, he just kind of came back off of the the IL in the minor leagues, so we haven't seen a lot of him recently. So it'll be interesting to see. He went two for six tonight in an absolute whooping um, in a thirteen to two victory. But this is, you know, I'm with you. There's definitely some concern. But what I will say is that he does have plate coverage. So if if he can get his timing down, which we've seen certain guys be able to do it, uh, it is very hard to do. Uh, but I I think it's plausible. But I do think they'll quiet it uh, and we'll figure it out. Now, Joe, Joey Weimer is a guy in Milwaukee, age 24, crazy power, big, huge human. Um, but just, you know, fits the Joey Gallo mold a little bit, Robbie. Um, I, I'm not in on this whatsoever that I don't, I generally don't draft huge outfielders. I just, I don't like the combination of, um, defensive liability generally and injuries, right? Like Aaron judge is an anomaly. And I, and I said this when they signed that big contract, Robbie, like Aaron judge's career could be a complete downhill from here in terms of body breaking down. He's a huge guy and they've put a lot of miles on him. Uh, just his running around the bases, like a lot of miles on his home <laughs> runs, right? Trotting you on know? all those dingers. He needs to yeah. walk more, right? Take more So walk. we, but like Weimer has all of that in his future, but like he's not even breaking through on the upside. Uh, so I, I just don't see that changing. I don't see the hit tool that a guy like Aaron Judge has. I don't see the hit tool of a guy that, you know, is, is a major leaguer here, to be 100% honest. Like this, this is just a, a depth outfielder, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. 2021, um, was the peak for Joey Weimer because he was drafted in 2020 fourth round. That was that short draft, right? We, we referenced it a lot. Um, then he came out and went A, sorry, A and then high A. So he had a full season, um, 396 at bats, 295 average, 403 OBP, stole 30 bags, 27 dingers. I mean, how do you not love that, right? Like that, absolutely what you want out of a fantasy guy. Next year comes out, steals 31 more bags, 21 dingers, double A, triple A. Holy crap, this guy is going to be somebody. But we're forgetting the the underlying you know thing going on here, which is that K rate's climbing, the walk rate's dropping. Uh, and then this year he's just been with the big league club. So he's no longer rookie eligible. He's not a prospect. But this is the rookie season, right? He is a rookie by definition of played one pro, one MLB season right now. Um I don't know that, like you said, Todd, the Joey Gallo thing hangs hangs heavy. I don't know that you want to hang out and think that you're going to get something great out of this. I don't know that he's yeah. going to finish this year with 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. But honestly, I think if he does, that's probably going to be the career peak, a one twenty twenty season. And then we're going to start to see the platoons come in. Again, Milwaukee here, right? They're going to play it. Garrett Mitchell comes in. They've got 19 different outfield prospects that they can run out there the next three years. Um, it's going to be tough sledding. For Joey, and as much as I like the idea of a 6'4", 220 heavy hitter, I don't like it when he's he just doesn't have the OBP for me to do it. He yeah. doesn't. He hasn't well, shown me the eye that I need. His OPS is sub seven hundred right now, six seventy seven. Like that's just not acceptable, right? Like you can't be a power bat and have a sub seven OPS. Like it's just right. not major league level. Like and it's, it's, it's OBP simple. under three hundred, right? And if yep. you're an OBP league guy, if you're a points league guy. That's where he's going to kill you. You're going to get the home run where in a points league, it's going to be what five, six, seven points. We've talked about that before, depending on how your league sets it up for, you know, for three, five points for a home run, one point for a run, one point for an RBI. It's going to appear better than it actually is. But again, we're talking right now, this is peak. So this is the sell point 
right now before you start to see the Keston Hira type recoil and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what he's going to do to change because all he's done since 2021 is a little bit less, a little bit less, and a little bit of those warning signs, the strikeout rate increasing, the walk rate decreasing. We've seen it now, you know. I've got it in front of me too. Like, Schwarber has a 189 batting average and his OPS is almost 100 points higher than Weimers. So like that, that's yeah. that's really a great comparable to say like where the value changes, right? Like Schorber, cool. Like he has his weakness, but he also still helps the team, right? That's that OPS, you know, that's the money ball mentality. So interesting. Uh, let's move to an outfielder that is going to be valuable, is a guy that you should be trying to go acquire, and that's Oscar Colas in Chicago. He's going to be part of whatever the burn down looks like here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, he's going to be a, a – a staple of that roster. Like there's two things that you can count on in Chicago moving forward. And that's Oscar Colas and Luis Robert jr. That's it. Beyond that, like everything else theoretically could change in that organization. So um, Colas for me is, is, is a stud. I like it that he's crushed minor league pitching this year at all. Like every minute he's not quite broken through at the pro level, but he will, it will be fine. Um, he's, he's like one of those guys that's not having huge success, but he's hitting mm-hmm. balls to the warning track. So that okay. will change. Like this is a guy that I would say go buy if you can. Well, I do not share that opinion. And this, I, I have him in two leagues, one that is dear to my heart and another league where I just have him. Um, mm-hmm. And the initial start to the year, I was very excited about that. You know, when he started off and he was hanging with the pro pitching, because I didn't know what to expect after the quick ascension, um, you know, from high A last year, all the way up to finishing the year, triple A. But once he recalled, once they did the right thing and sent him back down, I thought, is this going to be a quick one? Reset him, bring him back up. And then it, it was not, you know, he was down for over 200 plate appearances. But like you said, Ty, he was doing well. Um, he's back up now. I'm assuming he's going to stick around for the rest of the year. I just think that this is going to be someone who is a slow term project. But right now you can go and trade for an impact MLB bat. Because to yep. your point, Ty, if you're willing to wait, like you're saying, he's going to be there in 2025 and beyond you might be looking at somebody who's a legit you know uh I, michael brantley's coming to mind but that's i know you don't like that comparison so let's go with um not george springer but george springer like where you could see a lot of categories where he's helping you uh but he's never been the stolen base guy so i guess i shouldn't say that i'll take it back immediately well, like and this the obp is... is supposed to be his calling card so if that's going to yeah. be it then he's going to help you in points leagues also I think he's going to hit for a little power. Like, I think he's 30 home run power. Like, I think that's that's the, you know, 35 might be the peak. 30 is probably the reality. Oh, 25 is the lower level. Um, here's here's what I've kind of picked up on over years here. Like, the, the Cuban players tend to be a little slower to break out, right? This is a, a pattern, if you look closely, um, that it seems to be consistent. Like, if you look at, say, like the Dominican, right? They seem to be more instinctual hitters, right? They're just better prepared when they reach the pros um cubans less so right so like I, that's a that's a trend here that i've watched for a while um and colas is a guy that i think has all the tools he's making good swings he's just not on the pitch right so um that'll change and i and i i'm not worried even for a second so I, i'm with you though if you're if you're in a run like he's definitely going to get you a haul so you could definitely you know, improve your playoff chances if if that's the move you need to make. So again, roster dependent, but I I'd be holding him if I can. 
Um, next okay. on the list is a guy that we've been controversial about, Robbie. Um, I'm in on Veen still. Like, I still think Zach okay. Veen is going to be a guy in Colorado. Um, yeah, it's a little slow. Cool. Whatever. A little um, slow. He's got a 209 average with two dingers and 200 yeah, at-bats in double A. 22 stolen bases in 172 at-bats. So um, there's upside here still, um, right? Like, that's uh, – for those of you that can do the math, like, that's that's a lot. That's 60 stolen bases, almost 70 in a full MLB season, right? So is he going to steal 70 at the pro level? No, he's not. But, you know, 50 is very real. 40 is very real. Um, and there's only a handful of those guys. So this type of player is going to get more valuable. Like, there is still – a can this guy make more contact question, Robbie? Like that still is the question. But I have faith in the Colorado Rockies front office to get this oh done. Yeah, I know no, you're I'm, lying I'm, to I'm me joking. now. Yeah. I'm joking. I know you're uh, lying to me now. <laughs> I, I, do, I do think he will figure it out. And, and the thing that I'm most excited about, Robbie, is when he played in the fall league around really good players, he mm. showed up. Like, and that's the thing that like for me, I'm 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 seeing and I'm seeing there's bubbles of success. In the rest of it, there's 15 home runs in 21, 12 in 22, and then 11 again last year, or 12 last year, sorry. So, like, there's enough here for me to get excited about a guy that's still just 20, right? 21 or whatever he is. Like, there's yeah, still 21. lots of development here. So, I'm not I'm not ready to get off this ship yet. The tools are there. And, and I think part of what you're seeing with the batting average is the Rockies saying, listen, kid, you can do all these things, but if you continue to swing like this, they're just going to blow heaters by your hands. And, you know, he's not Bryce Harper. He's not the ability to get his hands, but his swing's very similar. Um, but he's not the same player. So I think I think they're making adjustments here, Robbie, and that's why I'm saying stay in on this one because I, I really believe he'll come around. And keep in mind, you know, Mickey Moniak's minor league numbers looked an awful lot like this, right? And so – that's something mm. like when you look at these things, like don't give up on these guys too early because these are very, very real things that you can see if you watch the patterns. So I am in the cell camp on Veen, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that out of the draft, he became one of the first guys like before the J2. Well, this was like, I guess, the year or two after everyone just started, you know, drooling over the J2, the 16 year old J2 guys that were picked. What was the next hot, fun thing to do? it was to fall in love with the highly drafted high school outfielders in the MLB draft. Fiend, excuse me, uh, Kelnick was the other one. And Kelnick, you know, case in point right now, we're watching it happen. We had a hot start to the year. He is learning, and he's, I don't even know if he's a 1,000 MLB at bats in. Veen, I think, is in a similar situation where he was overhyped so badly that when it came around to first-year player drafts, he was like a top three pick, even though he was ninth in that draft plus the J2 class. And I remember saying, you know, Colorado drafted uh, or sorry, signed a guy out of the J2 who I think is going to be equally as good. Um, and and he's working his way through very much like Zach Veen right now. And it's different because Veen has all eyes on him. And there are so many other players who don't have that problem. Now, Veen, obviously an elite base stealer, but yeah. elite <clears throat> base stealing only gets you so far he's got to be at minimum a superior defender to be out in Colorado and this is slow burn but I am saying I would make the trade I've got him in a league I I you know used a first round pick in a dispersal draft I think to get him because I really really wanted to see if he was lightning in a bottle or if he was worthy of a dump and trade I'm on the dump and trade train now 
Well, and the big thing to keep in mind here is that he's having uh, or he had season-ending surgery here on his wrist. So, again, we've talked about hand injuries before being a huge discount on power. So I, I love this as, as a buy low, Robbie. Like I think he's going to be one of the best buys you can make in the next eight months because mm-hmm. you're not going to see a healthy veen. And, and what people have in their recency bias is, listen, this guy can't hit worth crap, um, and, and I'm willing to trade him now. So he's got first-round upside still. I think he's got 30 home run power in there. I don't think that's the kind of player they'll make him into be, but I think it's in there. So just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give up. There's there's way too early to give up on him. Um, and if you do have him in TDL, Robbie, you need to – I. I'm currently looking at your roster right now, Ty. Send them over. This is how trades happen between Ty and I. As we record the podcast, (laughs) one of us sees that we roster a player the other loves or loathes, and then we (laughs) figure out a way in which to make a deal happen. And then people are like, you guys trade a lot between each other. Like, well, no shit. We we talk a lot. So <laughs> well, the next it makes up, it easy, though, when we disagree on so many players. Because it's right, like, I'll give yeah. you this guy. <laughs> you just told me how you feel about him. I'm, you know, like the cards are on the table. So whereas a lot of the other times in your in your various leagues, what is it? It's like a, a couple of group me uh, texts back and forth and or like a trade offer with a little message attached. Like, hey, I'm interested in this player. Um, you know, what do you want for him? And hopefully get a deal done. So yeah, with us, it's, the barriers of discussion are much easier. I'm sure we'll get a deal done in the next 24 hours now. And yeah, he will be, he will become a Savannah banana That's on right, your baby. team. And he Let's will leave it. my DePoto's Mariners as my team name is <laughs> in that league. Um, next up, I'm sure we can agree on this one. Daniel Espino, nothing Espino has done from the mound that is cause for him to become traded outside of get hurt. And I will target him as the new Brent Honeywell Jr. I do have multiple shares. Well, I do have multiple shares. Of him. It's Again, it's not his fault. He hasn't had bad performances. He is hurt. His body is letting him down. But even MLB.com, um, the website where they do the top 100 prospects, they've been pushing him back. Like three or four straight updates. He's moved outside of the top 10 where he was, I think, at the end of last year. And now he is somewhere, I think, around 50, 51. And he's nestled right beside uh, some, I think it's another pitcher. I, I, I think just, it's Max I'm, Myers. He's right beside now because they're like, these are guys that are hurt. We don't know how they're going to be. Well, Espino's had so many injuries, Ty. I think it's time to move away in the sense that go get yourself some MLB players. And then if he comes around in, say, 2024, 2025, you, know, you won't be regretting it because you could have two championships under your belt by then. Yeah, I think this is that scene from Talladega Knights. Espino's just sitting somewhere going, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly when you mention him in the same breath of Brett Honeywell, like that is a dagger yeah. to the Hey, land. Honeywell's about to, if he hasn't, by the time this comes out, he's about to exceed um, rookie eligibility. All right. He will have pitched more than 50 minor league innings with like, or sorry, a major league innings between Oakland and the Padres. And uh, although the year started better than it's currently going for him, he is in a bullpen. So, you know, I, I don't want Daniel Espino to be in my 2026, 2027 bullpen for my fantasy team. I want, I don't know, name name your guy as part of a deal that I trade Espino and someone well, else. Earlier this year, I, Ty, I traded him and Brady House, and I got back Juan Soto. That was one that I got in just in time before the Espino injury. I think it was yeah. actually one more player was in that deal, but I got Soto back on the Soto slow start. 
I made a deal within the first 10 days of the season. And I'm very happy with that. I got Soto for five years and and the guy that gets him will get all Espino and, and house once they come up, they'll have him for five years. So, well, I mean, Honeywell is, is almost sub four year a, so, I mean, considering where he's been, that's right. not the, the worst. He's a 4.01. Like that's, that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So does he so have any, any holds? Do you know? Like by the yeah. end of the year, he could be the closer if San Diego decides to really blow I, it up. I think he but, holds onto his elbow a lot to make sure oh, it doesn't you break son again. Of a bitch. You <laughs> son of you got me. You button hooked yeah, me. That was a uh, good one. Uh, but yeah, anyway, moving moving forward. Uh, I don't know who this guy is, so I'm going to send him to you. Yeah, sure. He this Dalton Rush. This is the most Rob prospect of all time. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the the listeners out there will know uh, Dalton Rushing, a catcher with the Dodgers. Um, He's at high A right now, and the funny part is that he's a top three catcher within the Dodgers, which, like, you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, like, he, he's a top three because there are two guys um, that are right in and around with him. The He's the oldest of them. Um, the other, you know, Diego Cartilla, that's, that's the boy, right? That's the guy that's actually going to get the job. Problem is, there's one player, like, that we're not mentioning. And that's Will Smith. Who's like one of the best or the best fantasy catcher. Um, and he's in, he's with the big league club. So what the hell are they going to do with Dalton rushing a college drafted guy? Well, they're probably going to find a way to ship him out. They're not going to move him off, you know, to catcher to first base if they think he's a legitimate catcher, but at 22 years old in high a you're right where you should be. If you think that, you know, you're going to finish the year at double a and the next year you're 23, you're going to go double a to triple a you're on the cusp for 28, you know, age 24, that would be a great break in the Dodgers typically don't do that. The Dodgers slow roll guys. They're 25, 26 years old. Talk to James Outman about how the Dodgers bring players along. Um, but I think rushing is like a trade target, like, or sorry, a, a, a player that they might consider trading as opposed to a player they would covet because they even have um, at high. A, I've got a very quickly, open up another window and we know how well technology works with me. They've got catching 20 year old catching prospect uh, who I mentioned on the last podcast, they run Lironzo probably saying that wrong, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, they they've got him who is amongst the like, no, nothing invested. So like, why not develop them type? And I just don't see where Dalton rushing is going to come in and steal at bats or, you know, sorry, steal, I guess, time. I don't know that we're going to see Dalton rushing in a Dodger uniform, and I'm not interested in holding on to him, but he is getting hyped right now. He is really moving up. Like, people are forgetting that he's 22, and there's Diego Cartilla behind him, and there's Will Smith at the MLB level. This is one of those situations where if, if by chance you roster him, he would have been one of the top four guys off your draft board for catchers last year. Um, Kevin Pareda with the Mets was another guy who was getting drafted super high. And I just didn't understand it. I'm like, do people forget that the Mets are already set with like their future catcher? Like, I don't know where they think Pareda is going to fit in. This is just a prospect who's going to just regress as far as the rankings go, cash in on him. Now go get you some good young 25, 26 year old starting pitcher for, for the fantasy owner out there who, for some reason wants to collect catchers, just make that deal. I agree. Um, and this last group here um, is is interesting um, because you have uh, some upside here, like some real mm-hmm. upside to this group, right? And you know you've got uh, a range of, of prospects, has-beens, and whatnot. Um, but you know you've got Brooks Lee, Marco Luciano, and Jackson Churio, who I believe is actually listed as a as a shortstop. Is he not? No, he's an outfielder. 
For sure, Churio's an outfielder. Yeah. A, the reason I know that guy is because he's a center fielder and he's solid defensively. Um, but so he's listed as a second baseman, right fielder, center fielder on, on baseball. Classic. So, yeah. Yeah. They're um, like the Yahoo of position eligibility. If, if you've played a right. game there, they're, they don't want to be told that they didn't have it included. So at least they're not a fantasy site. Baseball reference is an actual baseball stat site, which yes. um, you know we respect. And if they'd like to sponsor us and make this uh, baseball reference dingers podcast, we are available for negotiations. Uh, I think we could <laughs> really do that, honestly. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they need to hit us up. So if you're listening, yeah, let's make that happen. But I mean, for me, like this is this is two out of three for me that I'm in on. Brooks Lee, oh, really? Cheerio, I'm in on both. Uh, I'm 100% out on Luciano. I'm not buying there. Uh, okay, so we can agree on Luciano. Let's get him yeah. out of the way. He, well, he's the, the one thing prospect fatigue, right? That's the well, big thing. He's been around a long time, and he didn't continue to excel at the level he had at the Dominican and then into you know rookie complex and A-ball, and then he, he's fallen into some tough times. And he's, I think the, as he's aged, as his body has grown, he has not met and matched and developed at the same rate that everybody expected. My, I, I think he'll develop okay. I think he'll there'll be a little bit of a rebirth here at some point. My big issue here is ballpark and team around him. I just okay. think like in the begin, like next five years for him don't look strong because the organization doesn't look strong. And I just yeah, that's the big part there. Like I like Brooks Lee a lot. Like I like Royce Lewis a lot. Like I just I like what Minnesota can be. I think they have an advantage over a lot of teams, very much like San Francisco, in the ability to go sign starting pitching free agents. So they only need a couple to be entering into the conversation. Um, but they've got enough tools there to to put a roster together, and they continue to have a weak division and will have a weak division for the foreseeable future until Detroit puts it together. So um, I like I like Lee to move quickly. Uh, I think we'll see him next season at some point towards the end of the year. I wouldn't say any time earlier than that, but I do think we're going to see him uh, in in that timeline. So that one's there. I don't know if you feel differently, Robbie, but I, I'm I'm in on that one for sure. I'm more confused by Brooks Lee's depth position within the depth chart. And we've seen Minnesota move everybody around to try to make things happen and create at bats, but we've also seen Minnesota not be able to finish off the development of highly touted prospects, including Lewis. Who, yeah, I mean. He's looked good in pockets, but very much like um, the history of Minnesota. The players that look good get hurt, and the players that look like crap end up Oakland Athletics. Hello, Brent Rooker. So I'm out on Lee based on organizational development and the fact that he's come into a position at shortstop that I believe Royce Lewis is supposed to have. So I don't know how Minnesota is going to fit him in. Royce is going to play second, I think. Um, That's that's my take. I, I think we'll see Brooks play shortstop, I think. Carlos Correa is going to play, if not shortstop third. Um, I, I think, you know, Correa is the default shortstop. He's a good shortstop, and I think it's going to take an injury to move him off of that. But I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing the deterioration and the reason he had so much contract issue this offseason. Um, so I, I think they're going to move him eventually for the purpose of longevity. And, and I think he probably said in those conversations, like, listen, I'll come back here if you give me the money and I'll move to 30 if you give me the money. But um, I, I just don't see how that conversation would have went any different than that. If I'm hundred percent honest with you. 
Okay. The other one is Churio and uh, highly coveted. Again, I think this is an unfortunate thing where like a J2 guy is just getting hyped beyond belief. Yes, he's a double A and he's 19, but he's not dominating. He's just playing at it. And, and credit to him for doing it at that age. That is awesome. But that does not mean you are Julio Rodriguez in waiting. That does not mean you are Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto. Like you are just managing to play at that level. And I think he's been hyped so much. Like I just noticed tonight, because I looked before we started recording, he's number two on, on MLB.com's top 100 prospects, which is not a reference for fantasy, but it is what well, we've talked about it so much. People will look at the list and be like, oh, like he's a t- really highly touted prospect. Okay. So that means he's got a lot of value. Well, they're not listing based on much. Like we've talked before about how we're not sure how they come up with that list, like who it is that's officially doing those things. They have various people that report on the teams and we don't know, you know, if is it, is it scouts, is it whatever? Cause they just do the kind of like, um, you know how in some processed foods ties, it just says spices. Yeah. Like ML, MLB, like that, that, you know, that envelope of spices and any spices included among spices. It just could say writers or scouts. And we have no idea what the hell is it like, you know, under 12 scouts that are making these lists and they're like, Jackson Trio looks really good. I don't buy it. Like I do roster him in a league. I signed him as a J2, uh, whatever year it was that I took a huge stab. I think it was 2019 where I just took a huge stab on a whole bunch of J2 guys that it looked like they had potential hit tools and Churio was amongst them. Gabriel Gonzalez was in that same group with me. Um, and I, I, you know, Starling Aguilar with the uh, Mariners was one of the big guys that year. Well, there's been other players like Churio who have, who've come to the top, uh, but I'm not, I'm not thinking he's going to change, you know, change the game. And Milwaukee's got a lot of outfielders they're going to give shots to, in addition, possibly to continuing to bring in um, borderline outfield veterans because they want to win. And I don't know that the deck's going to be cleared for him, but if his value is so damn high right now, I would not uh, fault anyone who has him, like myself and is looking to make an impact trade for him. In one league, I was looking to get... Uh, Trey Turner, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast, but he wanted Churio and uh, Kobe Mayo in that deal for the rest of the season, Trey Turner and next year. But but Turner has a very high cost. I didn't want to absorb the cost and he wouldn't pay any of the money. So I just walked away from that deal. Um, but Churio is, is, could get you an actual league winner right now. I highly recommend everybody who's got him goes out and looks for that league winner. Yeah, I don't disagree. Like I, I'm with you. The only, the only thing that scares me with Churio and the only thing is the contact tool, right? So we haven't reached the level in minors where the the average can dip a little bit here. So I think that's the thing that scares me the most with him. But beyond that, the tools are are all there, all off the chart, and and very very high upside. So um, the the hit tool is very concerning, and that's the thing I'm going to be watching for the next six to eighteen months for sure with him. But um, for me, it's Brooks Lee of the three is the first one and then Churio and then Luciano for me. So that's the way I see it. Okay. Well, there you go, everybody. This was a long one, um, yes, but hopefully you're more smarter now, technically speaking. Yeah. Yep. Smart. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely, there's a lot here. I mean, we covered a lot of like in, in the, you know, ways to look at these things and this is a tough topic, right? This is where, you know, people are looking for advice and, and this is why we spend a little time trying to help you guys. So, Uh, We appreciate y'all being here. Uh, It's been Rob and Tyler here on Dingers.